All right, we've been talking about prayer, and uh, we, we did a little run-through with sort of practicing what we talked about last week, and we're going to do that again tonight, um, a little bit more here, and then there's one more week we'll, d- we'll do focusing on prayer, and that'll be uh, kind of a, a roundup and looking at um, why we pray and why the Bible says to pray together and corporately, and why it's not just a private thing, but a a public thing and a very important part of our our public uh, life, and so we'll work our way through that. John Bunyan, who was a Baptist pastor, um, one of the Puritan pastors of old, says, "Pray often, for prayer is a shield to the soul, a sacrifice to God, and a scourge for Satan. Uh, it is a powerful tool we have in prayer." Uh, that we have. We've been looking through the, the Lord's Prayer and seeing its structure and how to, to follow that, that through and, and learn that. And as um, the prayer begins, so when we look to, to Matthew chapter 6 there, and the prayer begins in verse 9, which says that, but just before that, he says in Matthew 6 verse 8, be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. That's an interesting thing to start with because he says, your Father knows what you need before you ask, and then he teaches us how to pray. So the fact that God knows what we need has no bearing on whether we should pray or not. Uh, it's not about that. God knows what we should ask. We do a little devotion uh, with the family each night after dinner. And uh, we've been going through it. It's sort of a science devotion book. So he goes through and he gives some facts about the world and connects it to these things. And one of the ones we read the other night, <clears throat> he noted out through Genesis 1 that when God creates the universe, he creates water before he creates everything that needs water. So we need water. Plants and animals need water. But he didn't create them first and then the water. He created what they needed first and then created things that need it. And the same is true with us. God knows what we need before we need it. And he's already prepared it before we know that we need it. Uh, so prayer, prayer is not about getting things done. Prayer is about uh, knowing God and growing in him. Uh, it's about becoming, not just about doing so we've been, we've been talking here about prayer, and one of the, when I started this, one of the things I said is because so many Christians um, come to faith in Christ, we go through our life of, of faith in Christ with the assumption that we know how to pray, and we're really kind of just bumbling our way through it. Uh, and then what that means then is we don't really end up teaching those behind us how to pray. And so that doesn't make us really very effective disciples because we're not teaching one of the most important parts of our Christian faith to those that come after us. And so I hope, uh, sorry? Well, that's right. That's right. And so what we, what we end up doing is passing on our bad habits uh, instead of passing on how Jesus taught us to, to pray. And so I hope as we go through this, we're starting not, not just to correct perhaps what was wrong for some of us, but also to reinforce what we knew, but also give us something we can grab onto to teach others. So that when uh, a new brother or sister in faith comes along, we can help them, not by teaching them so much, and maybe that's what we need to do at times, but by showing them and leading them through what it is to, to pray. So. It's something that takes practice and thought as we, we work through. And, and also, particularly, and we'll talk about this a little bit more as we finish up next week, when we come together and pray, and that's something we will do more of in the weeks ahead where we will pray together, um, it needs to be a place where we all recognize that we're all learning to pray. You're, even, even me, who's been saved for you know, most of my life, I'm still learning how to put into practice all these things we've been 
been teaching and, and going, going through. And so when we pray together, we're all learning from one another. Um, and that's an important part of, of us. It's a, a time of humility and, and love. So we come together in, in agreement. So we're going to put this together again a little bit tonight. You know, Jesus says, you're at the beginning of, of Luke 11, where the Lord's Prayer is found for the second time. It says, and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So clearly, not only does one of the disciples come to Jesus and say, I need to know how to pray, but clearly, John the Baptist was teaching his disciples how to pray. Um, and that is in a group of people who had grown up learning how to pray. The Jews prayed all the time. But John the Baptist saying, look, there is a right and wrong way to pray. There is a way to do it. So he's asking for the same thing. So we're going to read through a passage of scripture. Does anybody need notes? I've, because on the back of the notes, I put the passage out. We're going to read through this passage in just a moment. And I put it there. You can follow along. Um, and I put it on there so you can circle, you can write, whatever, make notes tonight as you, you like and follow through. You can use your, your Bible, obviously. But if you want to use it to jot down notes and scribble around tonight, it's there on the back of, of the notes. Now, as we read through this, and we're, we're going to kind of step our way through this, this passage. Um, if you've been following along in, in the book I told you about, you know, I've been using these same ones that are in the book on purpose. Um, so we follow through and, and we can keep those, those thoughts straight. But it's a short passage. Um, 1 Peter chapter 5, and it holds a lot of resemblance to the Lord's Prayer in terms of its structure anyway. So there's a, a lot here that, that is similar in, in structure. So as we read through it, and we think through it, start thinking about the stuff that we have been talking about in the weeks beforehand, and trying to pick out some of those things, and, and perhaps jot them down, or, or write down what you, you think if as we're reading, another verse of scripture comes to mind that cross-references or you're reminded of that, then jot that down, even if it's just a few words because you can't remember where it's at, and jot down the, the words, or maybe a song or a, a phrase comes to mind, uh, write those, those down. And then we're going to go through each of these steps uh, in the four boxes you see on the front, and we're going to make our way step by step uh, so that by the end, we'll have a prayer written out in this manner. So let's, let's read through 1 Peter chapter 5. Um, we'll read the whole chapter. Say it's, it's short, but we can follow it through. So it says, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. Who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. When the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. The God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Silvanus, a faithful brother unto you, as I suppose I have written briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God wherein ye stand. The church that is at Babylon, elected together with you, saluteth you, and so doth Marcus, my son. Greet ye one another with a kiss of charity. Peace be with you all that are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's uh, quickly have a prayer. 
Our Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, open our eyes. May we be humble before your word, your spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to follow this 4-4 pattern we looked at last week. So we're reverence, response, uh, request, and readiness, and then back to, to reverence again. And following it through this passage. Now we've looked at long, so last week we looked at a whole chapter, we looked at Psalm 46, and this week we're looking at a whole chapter, can do it sometimes. It just depends on where you can find what you, you need and, and where you're at. Um, but we're going to use this to, to keep us focused and to get us uh, where we need to be. So let's start there with that reverence. And on the back, I've just put that little diagram there in case you need it with a few hints. So here we are at reverence, which is that question, who is God? Who is God? Um, and I've put the, on the diagram just a little thing underneath it, just as kind of a, a starter to help us sort of put that into words. So we might begin our prayer with something like, I praise you because you are. Or I'm thankful because I have seen this trait or this work in, in my life. So it's that moment where we're going to take some time and just focus and finding a, a wonder of who God is, that he is both transcendent and personal. The, the aspects both of his nature and his work that we see of God here. So we ask ourselves, what does this passage reveal to me about God, about his nature? Do I see something about his, his work or his power in here? Um, so let's, let's think through that and let's, let, let's see if we can find, because there, there are a lot here of aspects that shows us about who God is. Uh, and in that first square on the top left of the corner where it says reverence, let's, let's jot some, some down. What do we see of who God is in this passage? Because he's called you. Yes. Yes, there is that, that aspect there, verse 10, isn't it? Uh, who are called by the eternal glory of Christ. He has called. He is the one who calls to salvation. Yes. Yes, very good. That's right. Yep, you continue on. He gives the, the strength, the stability, settles you. That is, he plants you on a rock, a difficult place. Sorry? Taught you? Yes. Anything else you can see of who God is or what he does in his life that is worthy of, of praise. Hey, Joseph. Right, he is the chief shepherd. He is the, the one who looks after his people. He takes responsibility for his people. He is the chief shepherd. Sorry? Grace? Yes, he's a God of grace. Yes. His mighty hand? Yes. In places like verse 1, the elders which are among you, I exhort, whom also an elder, a witness of the sufferings of Christ. What does that tell us? He is the suffering saviour. Suffering saviour, yes. Mm 
verse 1 ends, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. And then later in verse 11, it says, To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. He is not only the God of grace, as said, but he is also the God of glory. seen in verse 4 that he's the chief shepherd um, what other things does does it show us about who God is in verse 4 it kind of things it says he will will do or will be when the chief shepherd sorry what was that right so he will give crowns right so he's a rewarder of his people he rewards his, his people. He reward it. So maybe you read that and you're thinking Hebrews 11.1 1 or 11.6. No, he rewards those who are his by faith. But even preceding that in verse 4, it says, And when the chief shepherd shall appear. He's coming back. You know, there's, I mean, there's a lot of things you could back in. If he's coming back, that means he's still alive. If he's still alive, that means he's ruling. If he's ruling, that means he's interceding. So the point as we get in this is follow the trail. See what it says. What does, that, what does it mean that he is the chief shepherd? If he's the chief shepherd, we also see he is the one who places under shepherds to teach and to guide, which is the way that the chief shepherd feeds his sheep. So he feeds us. He gives grace to the humble. humble. You know, as you read through and you take your time, so I'm not going to rush it too much here, and you think on those things, you you find one one phrase or one word, and he exalts he does indeed he exalts the humble he cares verse 7 he cares for his people and how does he care for us he cares verse 7 casting all your care upon him so what is he doing he cares for us by carrying our burdens We started in verse 10 with being called. And you you look at verse 10, but the God of grace who hath called us, called us where? Unto the eternal glory. It's an eternal call, which for me reminds me of Romans 8.29. The beauty of Romans 8.29 is whom he called, then he also predestined. Whom he predestined, then he also... uh, sorry, whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Those he predestined, he justified. And those he justified, he glorified, right? So as far as God is concerned, from the call to glory is the same thing. So when he calls you, it's his promise to glorify you, which is verse 10. He's called us to the eternal glory of God. He makes us perfect. Makes us perfect. Mature growing strengthens so it doesn't take long to sit and ponder for a moment and follow some of the thought processes and some of the verses that come to mind and the cross reference that you think of or 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 even you know as as you read a verse, you know, we come to places like this where verse 7 is very familiar to us and we sing songs about it. And, and you know, as these things come to mind, what is it doing? It's helping us ponder who God is. So then we can come to a place where we can simply write something or, or pray something like, I praise you because you are the God of glory who is glorious in all you do. 
And we can think of how, how is God glorious? And we think about the ways in which we know that God is glorious. Or, or, or things like, I have, seen, I have seen your power at work in my suffering and my trials to bring me stability. And so by you know, taking a simple thing like a fill and praise, I praise you because you are, we begin a process of adoration, of reverence. You, know, you may even, as you read through these, find uh, a place where you, you recognize that, that moment, that character, that uh, trait of God. And maybe you're in the, the midst of a time of suffering, as he, he writes here, and as you, you think of that, you, you are reminded, you know, thank you for showing me in my times of trouble that you are my strength. Or thank you for being in my times of trouble, a steady place of hope for me. In those places as we begin to see who God is. So as we take a moment to, to look at those things about who God is and, and, and what he does, then that brings us to a place of response. The next thing, to respond to that character. So having found what we see of who God is in here, what does, that, what does that mean? How does it shape me? As I'm yielding to the Holy Spirit and I'm listening to the word of God and I'm taking in and, and contemplating what he says of himself, how do I submit? How do I respond to those things that I have learned about God? So as we look through this, this passage and we think on the things that it says about God, what are some ways that we see in here that come to mind here about how we should respond to God because of who we've seen God to be? Yes, Joseph. Because he's the God of peace, I'll be at peace. Yes. Right, he's eternal, so I have the hope of eternal life. To be a witness. To proclaim who this God is. Yeah. Right. Cast your cares on him. To to give him your your worries, we, we might to put other words on that, call it trust. If I'm going to cast my cares, I'm going to trust. So so how how can I cast my cares on him? How do I do that? What does that mean? Tell him. Right, that's it. They express it. Ask for help. Yes. Yes. All good things. Yes, absolutely. Ask for help. Admit you can't do it. Obey what he says. Sorry? Yes. That's right. So I, I will trust. I will read his word. I will follow what he says because he is that eternal God that protects me. Yes, Joe. Right. Humble myself. In fact, humility is one of the main keys of the passage. It's one of the main things that Peter's writing here about a response to who God is, is, is humility. So verse 6, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God.
Yeah, to be an example. Sure, ask guidance. He's the chief shepherd. I can seek guidance from him. Yep, that's right. When, um, when we humble ourselves, so when we find humility and we humble ourselves, what is the, say, is the result of, of that? So God resists the, prou the proud. And what does he do for the humble? He exalts them. He exalts them. That's verse verse five. In verse six, you know, humble yourselves that he may exalt you in due time. He'll lift you up. He will take care of you. How it says that God gives grace to the humble. How so? How do we experience the grace of God in humbling ourselves? Sure. Knowledge and understanding comes. So by exalting yourself, you also know what is reason best. Sure, yes. So he does the, the work and we humble ourselves to let him do the work instead of ourselves. The things that the, the good that comes out of it, the things that happen are not because of me, but because of what God has done. It's his merit, not my own. So we, we experience his blessings, right? The, the immense spiritual and abundant blessings he gives. See, yeah, that's right. We see God at work and realize how blessed we are. How do we how do we see some of that 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 work? So the 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 driving response at the beginning of chapter five is submission, which then automatically and naturally moves us into humility, which we're talking about here. And he, he talks about how God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Where do we see some of the greatest effects of pride and humility in our life?
So like, like Satan, in his pride, lost everything that was good and beautiful. When, when we live in pride, is pride not the thing that destroys most of our relationships? The relationship with God is broken because of pride. And our relationships with one another get broken because of pride. So when I humble myself, one of the great graces of God is strengthened relationships. Is that not a grace of God? Restored relationships, wounds of the past healed. These are all parts of of the grace of God that come as we humble ourselves, which can't come while we stand in pride. I grow in wisdom, godliness. I've said before, one of the, the main responses that Peter pushes here at the beginning is submission. He starts and shows us that leaders or elders and those over us are to submit to God. And we submit to those who lead us. But then he gets to the point there. So he's not describing a hierarchy here. Because then he says in verse 5, Yea, all of you subject one to another. Submission is, is something we all do to one another. Submission is the key who, to everything we have. Even Ephesians 5. Even Ephesians 5 uh, he talks about being filled with the Spirit. Immediately after that, it says, submit yourselves one to another. And then he goes into the marriage relationship. And we often divide it because the first part says, uh, wives, submit yourselves to your husband. And so we attach submission to the wife. And then it says, husband, love your wives. And we attach submission to the wife and love to the, the husband. But love is submission because it's to do what is good and right for the other. So if indeed all of this is true about who God is, we submit. And it's not a power dynamic. It's about seeking the good of each other. And that's where Peter's getting us here. Verse 1, 10 and 11 tell us to pray. Because of all these things, praise him. He's the God of glory. Verse 10, perhaps the, the hardest thing, if he's the chief shepherd, if he's the God of glory, if he is the God who protects us, verse 10 tells us, embrace the suffering. Yeah. Right, because he says, after that you have suffered a while. Jesus, God's going to take you through suffering. But he gives us the reason to embrace the suffering. Why embrace the suffering? Because he's promised to keep us to the end. Yes. So we know. We know that the suffering is not eternal. We know that the suffering will not destroy us. Because he's promised the suffering is temporal. So for me, that comes to 2 Corinthians 4. We know that our light affliction is but for a moment. And a far weightier glory is ahead. So these are ways that we respond to God. That is, if God is all the things that we saw, then I need to submit myself, humble myself, trust God for who he is. Um, embrace what he brings into my life, good and bad. And as we sit and as we pray these things, those are going to mean specific things for us. Because I'm going to be thinking, you know, some of these things are going to be more personal for you than me as they are because of where we're at. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe I am the one today enduring the suffering and I'm the one who needs to say, dear God, I'm the one who's, I'm, I'm suffering, but you've promised that you are the God who protects Help me to embrace the suffering. Strengthen me. Establish me. Or God, 
I am the one, I'm, you, you are the, the, the chief shepherd, you are the, the head of, of all. I need to submit to you and I need to do what is, is right for you and humble myself before you and I have been prideful in my marriage. I need to humble myself before you and seek your forgiveness for my pride and my anger and my resentment or whatever that is and humble myself before you. Or God, you know my, my work is, is weighing heavily on me. I have great responsibilities on my shoulders today. Help me bear the burden because you are the one who will carry my load. And then, and maybe we're, we're moving already into that because they, they, they do move together a lot. We come to this moment of request and they are going to, to mold into one another as they ought to. We go through into the, the requests and we, we begin to think about how does what I've, what I've seen about God and, and, and the way I need to respond to him, how does that, that change the way I need to pray about things or affect the way I need to pray about things, about myself or about those around me? You know, we've got a number of things you know, on, on our prayer list of things to pray for. And maybe you've got it out there and, or things you've got there. John, how's John with his back? Still, still struggling. Right, so John's struggling with, with his back and, and the Kims are still in their visa issues uh, and, and hopefully light at the end of the tunnel, but, but not yet. And there's an election coming up and we've got wars I in the world which are affecting things and, and not to forget about uh, our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan and China and, and other places like that. Matt's traveled across to another country and, and uh, exploring new opportunities of relationships there. And, and Kevin and, and Lauren and the, the glorious future they have together. Uh, Kate's got her Bible study with the women down in, in Hopeton and, and trying to minister to, to people there. And so we've got all of, these, all of these things that we know need prayer. And as we come here, and we, we could stop and we could go, okay, I've got my list, I've, I've done my praise bit, now let me just go through the list. Or I could say, all right, here's my list. How does what I have just read shape how I will pray for some of these things? Instead of just now trying to make up what I think needs to happen in Ukraine or what I think needs to happen in uh, our elections or how I think Kate can minister in Hopeton, how, how can I see God leading me to pray for what's here? That's right, for his, his will. Right, so, so if I'm thinking about, about the brothers and sisters in, in the Ukraine and in Russia and in Afghanistan and China, which are under pressure, I'm thinking, God, you are the God of all grace. Pour your grace into their life so that they understand they can embrace the suffering, a suffering which I don't understand, a suffering which I have never endured. Help them to embrace that and to know that you are their strength, their stability, to give them the security that they need. See how instead of separating these things but joining them all together it gives us a new depth to our prayer so now today as, as i come here to first peter chapter five and i think about the things we need to pray about in the context of who god has shown me him, shown himself to be in first peter chapter five i have a whole new way of praying for the things on my list now tomorrow i'm going to be in another passage of scripture and in that passage of scripture, I'm going to find something new and different about God that I didn't perhaps find today in 1 Peter 5. And tomorrow, I have another depth in which to pray for the people and the things on my list. And so instead of me trying to think of how do I need to pray for this, God is telling me how to pray for it. Saying, this is who I am. And this is how I work.
this is what we need and how we can do it. You think of, of the, the canaries and, and you, know, you speak with, with, with the Dimple and Dearden and the relief from their shoulders. Your Dearden said to me on Sunday, I said, how is it now that you know you've got, he says, I can sleep. God of glory who took them through suffering for a while but perfected and strengthened. And in that I can give God praise and glory. I think that's why the Bible speaks of it so often, isn't it? Because we so easily forget it, don't we? When we're in it, that's the only thing that matters, right? When we're in the suffering, that's all we see. Yeah. Yep. Now, having been able to shape our requests based on our reverence and our response to God, we're in that moment where we're, we're moving out now and we need to think about what's, what's ahead, that readiness moment. Where, okay, now what do I need to do when I get up from here? Right, so I've, I've prayed about stuff which is perhaps long-term or whatever, and I've prayed about the things that, that I know need to pray for, but now when I get up, what needs to be done now, today? How do I need this today for the spiritual battle I will face? In what ways will I need his grace today? How will I fight the battle that's before me where do I go from, from here? Is, what do I need from, from God? Um, in, in what ways do we, can we see, can you see aspects here? You think, well, here's some things I can see that, that I, needed, I needed today. You know, if there ever there was one that we needed every morning, it's verse 8, right? God, help me to be vigilant Help me to be aware today as I walk in to the world because I know I'm going to be tempted to sin. And I've probably, like you do, every, every morning or whatever, I've probably already got an idea of some of the ways I'm going to face temptation today. You know, I know that I'm going to have to interact with a certain person who irritates me. Or I, I know that I'm going to have to go to a place um, that is going to remind me, perhaps, of other things. So most days, you're not going to know everything, but most days you've got some idea of, God, I'm going to need to be vigilant today because I know I have to face this. Help me to be strong, to fight, to resist. What other ways can you see here about being, being ready? That I can, I can take this and say, God, help me to be ready today. Not to give up. Yeah. God, help me not to be, to be weak and to, to give up, but to recognize you're my strength. Yeah. 
Well, that's it. That's that battle between pride and humility, isn't it? God, when I'm corrected, help me not to be proud, defensive. Help me to be humble, submissive to what is true and right. right because we're naturally self-centered yes. once we start praying for ourselves yes. we yeah. never really end does it that that reminds me you know of so the verse verse 12 and 14 at the end he says but by Sylvanus, a faithful brother unto you. Uh, or then verse 15, greet you one another with a, a kiss of, of charity. To me, those say things, you know, like verse, thing like, like Silas there, be a faithful brother. Be a, a loving brother, from verse 14. So how can I be a faithful brother, a loving brother today to my family in Christ? How can I minister, share to one another? Sorry? I don't have to tell you, you know, in all of those things we've just talked about, there's probably a thousand ways already you've thought of today that I, I needed that today. Or there was a place where I needed to be forgiving today or I needed to be loving today and I thank God that I was that loving brother or sister today in the way it was. And then we come back to that reverence. Always finish where you started because the whole thing is about God. We're not leaving it with ourselves. We're bringing ourselves so that when we leave that time with God, we are leaving with God. So come back. Maybe we go back to where we started at the beginning, whatever it was that started. Or maybe you find another aspect of God. You think, there, you know, it does it here in, in 1 Peter 5. You know, it begins with certain aspects of God and makes it all, all the way through. But then by the time we get to verse 12, the end of verse 12, this is the true grace of God. He's that gracious God. Verse 10, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Verse 14, peace be with you all that are in Christ Jesus. His peace. So we come back to putting our mind back on God. So now we've come away. Now that we've, we've gone through all of that, you can see at the bottom of the page, there's just some fill in blank. Maybe you filled them in already. But at, at the bottom, just if you haven't already, fill in that bottom. So write, write a prayer. And that's what, that's what this is about. We get to the end. And that's why I say when you, when you do this, when you sit down in your times with God, have a pen and a paper with you and write it down. And keep it there. And then... It, your, your prayers can be as simple as taking that format of fill-in. I praise you, God, because you are. And you can, you can do that. 
because it's not like you're just empty rattling off something. You've thought about what fits in that, that space. You've been moved by what fits in that space there. So then by the end, by the time I've gone through all of this, and it's not always going to take as long as we've taken now because we've done it as a group and we've talked a lot and sometimes it'll take just a, a, a few minutes depending on what you have and sometimes it'll be longer than that. But by the end of the time you've done it, you have your prayer. And your prayer isn't just sit down and say a prayer. Your prayer is scripture saturated. We've for so, so many different reasons, we've, we've come to believe that this idea of our devotion time with God is read our Bible and pray. Like they're two different things. It should be the same thing. So when I sit down in the morning to read my Bible, that is what is my prayer is going to be. What I've read in the scriptures. So I don't have to sit there and read my Bible and think about it and maybe write my journal about what I've learned and then do something different in my prayer, it's what I've done when I've sat down and done this is I have studied the Bible, I have learned something about God, and I have genuinely prayed. And I've done it as one whole thing. Instead of step one, step two, step three. It can be done in a moment, or it can be done in a long time time and then you have your prayer you have your prayer so what I'm going to do tonight is since you've written your prayer there we'll take a moment and uh, I'll leave it for a moment of, of quiet so you can you can pray and you can respond to God as you have seen there quietly and then I'll give it a, a couple of minutes and then I'll close us in prayer this evening so let's take a few moments to, to quiet.